Welcome again to another episode of our Sola Gratia podcast, and we're going to continue our series on things that we've read recently. So you might remember last episode we talked some about the Lord of the Rings books. Um, I'm back once again with Aaron Arnold. My name is David Prairie. We've got a special guest. Our good friend Gavin Gramacki is here with us today to discuss the Harry Potter series. That's right. So, uh, and it should full. To, first of all, I think we should say, if you're just listening to this to see if you should let your kids read Harry Potter, we're gonna say go ahead. All right, field it yourself, read it yourself, read it with your kids, but don't let this spoil it because. We're going to have full spoilers. I didn't read it uh, with my kids. I th- actually, my kids read this before me. Well, mm-hmm. Asher did. I don't he, know if Judah was, ever finished it. He was trying And Asher to, just turned 10. He got so... I got so close to finishing it before him, yeah. but then he cranked it out when I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you're just listening to this to say, I wonder if my kids should read this. Read it yourself. But uh, know that there's full spoilers ahead. So you should stop this, go read all seven books, and then come back and, uh, and see if there's any, anything more you can be enlightened on uh, as we discuss it. But, yeah. Because you wanted to talk about first our kind of history with the books, like how we came to be. Mm-hmm. But, Gavin, you said you had a fun fact. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, with. I've been dealing with some phlegm the last few days, so hopefully I don't sound too bad. But there is a character who receives the nickname Flynn, P-H-L-E-G-N, for those out there who love spelling. Who is that? Do you remember who gets the nickname Flynn? And as you can guess, it uh, originates with some of the Weasley household. They call this one character Flynn. Was it? Was it? Uh... Oh, goodness. Who gets uh, added on to the Weasley family along the way? Uh Oh, the the girl, the girl, De, uh, De Fleur. Fleur. Fleur, yeah, Fleur, Fleur Delacour, Flynn De, Delacour. <laughs> yeah. Who were introduced to in Goblet of Fire? She's one of the contestants at you know Triwizard Tournament, and then yeah. oh, next thing you know, she's dating Bill Weasley, and yeah. they get married. But initially, several people in the Weasley household at you know the borough did not like her, right? Yeah. And she clashed with Molly, I think Jenny as well. But eventually, they kind of came around. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Flynn. That's a nice nickname, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it was uh, the prof- the the professor in the the sixth book, Slughorn. Oh yeah, yeah. that's because he has a funny name. I think it's funny, but all right. So you gonna start? You are gonna tell the kind of backstory? Well, I get, yeah. I yeah, I can. I mean, um, so I was probably. I guess I was probably in college when when this was kind of a craze at first, like with the finishing of the series, and it was shortly after that. In fact, if I remember the timing of this right, didn't they start making the movies even before all the books were published? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... I feel like first book was like first, maybe 2001. Oh, sorry, movie was 2001 or I think so. Christopher Columbus, uh, Home Alone fame. Yeah. That's him. He did the first two. Yeah. And uh, so I was aware of it even at that time late high school, early college, I didn't have a particular interest. I know we're going to talk some about kind of the stigma of the way that Christians viewed it maybe when it first came out, especially, mm-hmm. and if that's changed over time. I do remember hearing some of that stigma and um, just wondering 
but but it wasn't like as though I was like, oh, I really want to read these, but maybe I shouldn't because they'll maybe mess with my mind. Like I I didn't read a lot of fiction at the time anyway, so it wasn't like I was running out to buy them or try to read them. Um, you didn't really have any friends that were reading them. Maybe, but I don't yeah. remember. I don't at least not in my circles. It wasn't Shut something that we no siblings. Again, I yeah. I don't think so. I, I what. My wife read it in um, 2015, and she she really liked it. And it was about that time, maybe even right before then, well, probably about that same time, that I started my degree up at Southern Seminary. And our prof in the program there, Dr. Hamilton, was just raving about these books. Now, he's a literature – he'd majored in literature mm-hmm. for his bachelor's, and, like, he's he reads really widely anyway, but he just – his perspective of Harry Potter was that as far as fiction goes, he thinks it's the best series, mm-hmm. you know, maybe ever. Just of the brilliance of writing and, mm-hmm. the, and the story arc and everything. And so I – it was at that time where I thought, well, I I really – I respected him. And I, I had just kind of started where I was pretty interested in reading fiction. And I think, again, that was about the time that my wife was reading it. So I, I kind of made up my mind then that I would read them eventually. But I didn't actually read it until I guess it was four years later. And I didn't see any of the movies until after I read the books. That's the way to do it. Yeah. So that's my that's my history with it. Yes. I'll be a brief. My history was nothing but hostility up until <laughs> a few months ago. So uh I used to play Pokemon cards and we did it at Books a Million. And they would do it on Saturday. <laughs> And it got replaced with Harry Potter Reading Club. And so I showed up with my Pokemon cards, and lo and behold, we've canceled it for a Harry Potter Reading Club, which infuriated me. When was this? Oh, I don't know. I was 15, 16, something around okay. there. Um, I don't know the year. I can't think. So, so this is early 2000s then? Yeah. Mid to, yeah. Yeah. 2005, probably ish. Uh, it was it was before two thousand five because okay. before early two thousands graduated. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. so yeah, um, and like I wasn't a big reader growing up, so this was just kind of like oh, it's another series, mm-hmm. and of course you know I, people in my circles, homeschool Christian, Baptist circles, you know, stay away from Harry Potter. You'll get a you'll you know cross into I mean they were all saying like you know the curses that they used are like just just they just changed a few letters and they're from real like spells and it's all kinds of crazy stuff and so and then anyways eventually when I became a reader then people at work were like you gotta read Harry Potter and I was like not right now I've got other things to read and then in my mind I'm thinking Harry Potter is the great uh, inkling heresy so it's like you know Rowling took everything that the inklings wrote and just transferred it into her stories not necessarily true though there are elements oh, but she definitely borrows yeah but i mean but a lot of those guys borrowed too oh, yeah. and yeah. so and we'll probably talk about this as far as the story fo- form goes but um so anyways and then the uh well my best friends who's also named Gavin, just like raved and raved and raved about raved about it. And um, the girl that I dated a while back, that was like her thing. But one of the things that I thought was like crazy is 
all these people read Harry Potter, and then none of them read Lord of the Rings or mm. any of the other books. It's just kind of like, this is a hype. And I'm like, I don't like hype. You know, I don't like Batman because he's hyped. I like Batman because I like Batman. And so I decided I would come to Harry Potter on my own terms when I was ready. And so I actually received a gift card from the maintenance department when I left the first time. And that was very nice. And it was, it was enough to cover a full set of the Harry Potter books that was on sale because they were closing out the old covers and bringing in the new covers. And so I got the whole set for like right around $50, which is not bad. Brand new, free shipping, gift card. I paid maybe a few dollars. So that was very, very nice. And, but they were on my shelf forever because I was like, you look at them. They're thick books, mm-hmm. and you're, well, you know, half of them are, and you're like, man. So how many years ago was that, you think? Oh, that was, that was back in 2018, mm-hmm. right? 2017, because that's when, that's when I had to leave the maintenance job to the first time, not the second time, to go do student teaching. So it was right before student teaching. So I had these books, and uh, even, my, even my mentor teacher, who was not big into like other fantasy series is like oh harry potter i love harry potter and you know so it's just, again is that i felt like it was a craze and everyone gets hyped on it i'm gonna do it my own and then david and i decided to read them together i was like okay i'm ready i've got a clear schedule and we made it work and it was good so that's my history so we finished it what three months ago Two months ago, I want to say we read it from. Uh, well, we I think I think we finished it. I think I finished it right before Thanksgiving, and it's now Valentine's Day. Oh man! About so time flies. Yeah, but we read it within the course of just a few months. Yeah, it I wasn't. Think we read all yeah. seven books from about Labor Day to Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't the daunting task I thought it was going to be. Well, one thanks for uh, having me. I uh, I always say Harry Potter is one of my favorite series. I uh I was in that kind of stream of oh these are not good books, uh that was how it was portrayed. I think I had come across some like Christian TV station that like basically kind of labeled it as with you know the occult, and it was kind of a <clears throat> conflict between my side of the family and my my dad's sisters because they all read Harry Potter and they tried to convince us whenever we would have summer vacation with them in <laughs> North Carolina. Uh, I remember 2003 when Order of the Phoenix came out, they were all like passing on the book from one person to the other in that family. And, and again, it came up. I think it was the next summer, though, that my parents were on their like weekly Saturday night date and just the kids were at home. And I think I turned on ABC Family and I watched the first movie. I didn't really ask for permission. <laughs> I, I think my parents probably would have been fine with it. Uh, thinking back now, I'm like, that's such a tragedy that I watched the movie first. But that was the only one I did that for. All the other ones I read the books. So by that time, um, I think two of the movies had come out and five of the books. So that summer, 2004, I read five of the books. And I think also that summer, the Prisoner of Azkaban movie came out. So I saw that one in the theater. I saw all the other ones in theaters. Um, and that was, I mean, that movie was amazing. I mean... I'm definitely a fan of the books more. There are certain things about the movies that just drive me nuts, especially at the very end of the last movie. 
I just think they ruined it. But, <laughs> but I was part of that group then um, that was in the waiting game of like, man, we need to get our hands on the sixth book. And I had a whole year. J.K. Rowling came out with her website that year, and she would like reveal certain things. Like <laughs> at one point it was, oh, here's the name of the book, and then here's the cover. And like we would just eat all of that up. I spent so many hours on that website. And she had like really cool uh, like features on there. Uh, 2005, I went to the midnight show into this local bookstore called Tudor Bookstores uh, with my friend. Uh, you know, they had different activities, kind of classic Harry Potter party. Uh, and then we had to wait another two years for the last book. Um, and that, so with Half-Blood Prince, I think I read a few chapters and I went to bed and then I went on a road trip and I read it that whole weekend. The seventh book though, I got it that night. I think I read five chapters. I slept for a couple hours and then I read it all that Saturday. So I finished <laughs> it in a day. I just like absolutely ate it up. Because it, that was also moving into the time of more internet stuff. Yeah. Um, where it's just like you couldn't get away from any of the spoilers. So really I didn't – nothing was really spoiled except – I don't know for you guys what, if you heard anything along the way because you're so Oh, I've, I've got but to tell you about my at the, I was so upset. At the Borders um, release party for the last book, somebody yelled out, blank kills blank. And uh, I had barely kind of heard it and I just tried to ignore it and it ended up being true. Yeah. I'm just like, who, who would do that? Yeah. And we, we gave a, disc, a full disclaimer. Yeah. So that was uh, Voldemort kills Snape, which I, you know, it was going into the seventh book was, well, what, who actually Why is Snape? Would, yeah. Which side is he on? Yeah. And so that will, oh, that's now safe is good. I mean, you didn't know anything else besides yeah. that. I was like, are you yeah. serious? You know? Yeah. Well, the, on the spoilers thing, I had at least two major things spoiled. One, uh, that Harry was a Horcrux, and of course, not having any mm. any inklings as to what these books are about. Yeah, that's like nonsense. Like, what does it's that mean? nonsense. And so, like, and, and like you know, once you figure it out, you're like, oh, I see this. Mm. But I was I was working at a call at a call in place, and uh, you know, it was it was uh, kind of a crisis line thing, and uh, one kid was talking to one of the coaches, and the coach was reading Harry Potter. And I guess he was on the sixth book, you know, or the seventh book, and he got and he hung up and he's like, oh, he told me Harry was a horcrux. And I'm thinking, thanks, Craig. I'm gonna read those at some point. So that that was all that always stuck in my mind. Harry's a horcrux. What is a horcrux? I don't know. And so finally you get to that section, you know, the chapter that's just called Horcrux and I'm like, oh I'm going to figure out what this is. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. This makes total sense. The second thing that was spoiled for me was a video on Facebook. Uh, actually, three things got spoiled for me. A video on Facebook. Um, and it was like, saddest movie deaths. And there it is. Snape kills Dumbledore. Is it Dumb- the scene of D- Dumbledore falling off yeah. the tower? And I was yeah. like, okay, thanks. So throughout the whole series, I'm like, it's coming. Wait, but he's a good guy. And then you get to the... You know, the sixth book, and it's like, he's like meeting with, and he does the unbreakable vow, and you're like, well, he's going to do it. And and then uh, Brent spoiled for me the fact that Sirius was actually a good guy. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I didn't know his death was coming. I didn't know Dumbledore's death. Both those were absolute shockers to me. 
Yeah. I didn't know, and also at the end of Goblin of Fire, I had nothing. I had no idea what was coming. Oh, that was nuts. Yeah. That was that was probably <laughs> the turning point I thought of where it became a lot darker. Oh, oh yeah. yes. Um, Real. Where <laughs> yeah. you know uh, Cedric that's the, that, yeah. that's the yeah. boy's name, right? He's he's. You know, no one ever really th- died up to that point. Really. I mean, I think so. Well, Harry, Quirrell, Harry's Quirrell, I mean, kind of what happened yeah. to him at the end of the first one, and get people getting petrified in book two. Yeah, but still, it wasn't no. It was when, like near death experience. Cedric's dead. Yeah, and there's and it's so blood offering. It's like a student. Yeah, yeah. That is crazy, crazy. Well, that that brings up a line of questioning. Uh, I was interested in your guys's you know thoughts on this. You know, there has been a lot of times a negative Christian stigma around the series. Um, would you say it's it was more heightened at the beginning and now it's waned, or is that just like the circles that we're in? You know, because there's obviously still some circles that are against it. Right. But, I mean, you hear about this with these are the people that kind of like write letters to the library right. and, uh, you know, try to boycott in various ways. Well, see, I think some of the some of the biggest proponents of Harry Potter have been Christians, at least people that I know. Because J.K. Rowling's a Christian. Let's just start there. OK, so I wasn't sure about that. Yeah. Is she? I mean, she's professed. I mean, she's a member of the Church of Scotland. I knew she. Uh, I knew she had some background because right. I don't know a lot about her. She's but, a very different kind of Christian than we are. Right. Yeah. But I knew that that you know she denominationally quotes, speaking. Mm-hmm. She quotes. Um, right. You know, she quotes where your treasure is, there your heart oh, yeah. will be. Death, Death is the final, yeah. you know, enemy. So I was curious about that. Oh, she definitely knows her Bible. She knows. Right. I mean, like she knows. Right. Christian themes and all of that. So, so there, there, there is that. Like I said, I wasn't sure, um, but Tim Keller, in almost every one of his sermons, he uses an illustration or quotes from C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. Tolkien, or Rowling. Yeah, and not that any of these things are evidence for what. So, right. Let's just kind of play devil's advocate and say, what what would be some things that are concerning in the series you start use the word dark Mm -hmm. you're like okay that i mean that is something that's evil and then the next question becomes well how is that evil portrayed right because i mean a lot of books have evil in them but it's like well is it celebrating is this portrayed as something to be opposed that was going to be my comment even in your initial statement is that the stigma that i heard had more to do with what aaron referenced as far as well it it taps into the occult world Mm -hmm. it taps into the dark arts but as you read the series, I never got the sense where the dark arts in any way is being celebrated. Right. It's always being portrayed as dangerous, maybe yes. even villainous. Yeah. And you really ought to not tamper with those sorts of evils. And so I think there's a very clear um, separation between good and evil. Mm-hmm. The good is portrayed as good. The evil is portrayed as evil. And... And there's to me there's less of a even a I mean magic exists in mm-hmm. in this world right but there's but there's good uses of it and there's bad uses of right. it right and it's and there's a clear distinction between the two right see I can't remember where it is but C S Lewis distinguishes <clears throat> about different kinds of magic mm-hmm. so there's white magic uh, magia I think that's the word he uses for it. And then there's black magic, Gotia, hmm. or something like that. I think where Christians uh, can mm-hmm. can trip up is 
Um, so in the Harry Potter world, you have certain things in a certain category, but in the Bible, it's put in another category. Right. So like, let's just say the word divination. Yeah. So there's a class called divination. Now, right. it's interesting how it's portrayed. One, it's seen as fairly silly. Hermione right. quits the class. Yeah. Ron and Harry hate it. Yeah. Um, and yet, and it's, only- a, it's a thing. But so all throughout... There's nothing demonic that's mentioned. It's never really like about the source of yeah. where. Right. I mean, it's just, there's magic. It's just there, right? But that the the idea of prophecy and then divination, um, I think for some, is actually like those those uh, criticisms were kind of already there even before like that became even more of a thing later right. on in the series, but. Well, and you turn, you know, the term wizard and witch. Right, the same you know, thing. Yeah, you, you have to. I think you have to go into the book knowing that these these terms aren't necessarily. You know, it's a fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's a it's their own world with their own rules. You know, it takes place in our world, yes, but no. You know, right. It coincides with right a non magical world. Right. That for that most muggles, as they're called in the in the series they don't even recognize that this world exists mm-hmm. or if they if they've if they've heard of it they think well it's it's just a legend it's just a myth right so i think the the main lines of argument that i've heard from christians you know they quote different passages mm-hmm. especially, especially in the old testament i mean those are some serious passages you oh yeah them. like it's not somebody messed around we like we understand that when we're talking about real demonic right. things the other uh thing is then they start quoting stats is when these books were released, well, here goes this rise to actual cult in the world. Right. So it's like, well, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. I mean, is that just people who don't understand fantasy? Like, this right. is not real. Like, right. don't religiously pursue this. Right. You don't say me dressing up like a superhero and going out and fighting crime because I like comic books. I, I, think, I think to get to that point to where you're interested... Where Harry Potter is the in the the gateway drug, so to speak, mm-hmm. into you know, some kind of rites, <laughs> on you know the mountain or whatever. I don't know. Um, so do you view this view this yeah. as a Christian liberty issue? Um, I've been talking about this in, in class recently. So it's like, if you knew someone around you mm-hmm. was bothered by this, uh, would you maybe just stay away from it in, in conversation, or you know, you wouldn't want to trip them up? over something that's not that important. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd try to respect my brothers mm-hmm. and sisters that way, so. Yeah, I would I would view it that way, but I would also view it as, I would want to know something of authorial intent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did, what did Rowling intend for this story to be? Is she intending to persuade the right. audience into, into a more uh, magical or, or, um, you know, fantastical way of living. Right. I don't think no. she is. No. So, so I would, that's where I right. would, I would put a lot of weight into that. That's not what mm-hmm. the author intended this right. to be. I would, I would think that more of the problem is along the lines of the secondary literature that comes out <clears throat> that says, oh, because there's books out there that do exist that are like, oh, you like Harry Potter. Well, here's the real spells. You know, here's how you do become a witch or a wizard or mm-hmm. whatever. I think more mm-hmm. of the danger is outside the Harry Potter uh, set of books, but using that as like a springboard. Mm-hmm. And they go back to how the dark arts are portrayed. It is never in a good light. You know, the uh, second book is almost a cautionary tale about tampering with things you don't understand. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Jenny gets a hold of this right. book. Mm-hmm. You know, she's messing around with it. Oh, my goodness. It's, uh, you know. And it starts out as something innocent. Yeah. And before she knows it, she's. Mm-hmm. Right. Her life is at risk because of it. Or even when Harry, you know, uses the Severus Septum. Oh, yeah. Right? You know, that's that's four, a... Four enemies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, it's not a good thing. And you are just about... I mean, you can feel yeah. the horror that Harry feels when yeah. his worst enemy is lying there bleeding to death because yeah. he's used one of the, you know, the darker spells, so yeah. to speak. And that brings up, like, again, another science criticism is not just the occult thing, but sometimes the moral and ethical choices that Harry makes, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, well, is he stealing something? Is he lying? Um, Is he disobeying? I mean, that's always (laughs) the issue with stories is that, well, how is that portrayed? Because he's definitely doing those things, like any young person, a lot of times, you know, anybody does. Uh, But I think you're right in the sense that a lot of times we see the consequences of, of that, yeah, um, I think you see the consequences yeah. of even those decisions within the. I mean, he's a student at a school. The, a lot of times, he's not getting away with those things. He's getting mm-hmm. caught. Mm-hmm. He's 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 receiving some sort of discipline as a result. Mm-hmm. And and you know you can sympathize with him because he's the protagonist and because you, you you know you like him more than you like Snape or whoever's mm-hmm. whoever it is that's nailing him on these things, but imagine having a a teacher like Snape or like Umbridge. I mean, like that's going to test your limits of respect. And then it's like, well, (laughs) what's the balance of like standing up for the truth and what's right. right? I mean, right. And that, that's usually she's evil. Who? Umbridge. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and Harry, and Harry's, (laughs) and Harry's whole journey is one of, he's, he's looking for answers Yeah, and he's willing to go to whatever lengths, whatever extremes he needs to, He's gonna he's gonna pursue that knowledge of the truth to the fullest extent, right? Even if it means bending some rules, breaking mm-hmm. some rules, putting putting himself at risk. And it doesn't seem like there's any like there might be consequences that work themselves out that are you know oh you have to this happens you can't go to you know Hogsmeade or whatever it is yeah you know those kinds of things but it doesn't seem like it's ever serious. Until he goes back against his friends. Mm. Well, so once once he once his pursuit of truth or whatever overrides his loyalty to his friends, that's when really bad things start happening. And I was gonna throw in the angle of that's where that whole friendship of Harry and Ron and Hermione is a lot of times they're making these decisions together mm-hmm. and and they're not always in agreement about what the best thing to do is and so Hermione almost is like the conscience of the group saying <laughs> you know no don't break into that office don't tell this lie don't put on the invisibility cloak again you have a hero complex harry that was book 5 yeah, yeah. angry harry and a lot of conflict yeah. there and and he chooses most of the time to ignore it but at least you've got at least then you know that he's making these decisions fully aware of, I know this is a poor decision. I know others don't agree with this, but I'm going to do it anyway. One thing, uh, just the last thing with this was, um, you know, it's, it's not like there's God, angels, mm-hmm. humans, you know, whereas sometimes you see that in Lord of the Rings. Uh, I don't know if you guys have read uh, Dark Materials. Have I uh-huh. talked to you about this? Kind of like the yeah. anti-Lewis. And even like Narnia has... There's like kind of an order of beings, and yeah. again, you have got like a godlike figure. Mm-hmm. You don't really have that. I mean, right? You just like you said, 
wizards, muggles, squibs. <laughs> yeah, but you know? there there was a there was a in, um, a time. It was it was I thought it was interesting, and and I guess it's because of something I read on um, on the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, is. Um, Something happens in the seventh book. I think it's when they get away, and they do say, thank God. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. It jumped out to me because I don't think God had been referenced at all. Yeah, yeah. I bet, I'm going to guess that was an editing slip, (laughs) or just like, they didn't even think about it. Right. Yeah, that's the only time you see that word, I think. And I know that that's, I know that that's, um, that's small, and a lot of people say Mm -hmm. that, but I just thought it was interesting like right at that point, and the reason that it I zeroed in on it is, um, I guess I was looking because uh, um, Sherry uh, Poff. Poff, she had told me that um, that there's a Bible verse in the seventh book, mm-hmm. so I was kind of looking for that. Mm-hmm. But also um, in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I know it's separate things, but Peter says something by Jove. And it's actually a way that Lewis is veiling that he's, you know, God's doing this. So, I, anyways, I just thought that was interesting yeah. that God's not mentioned in his books until... I think it was when they were trying to get away from, you know, the Death Eaters. And even the fact, I don't know if this... Well, even the fact that they find... They come across those verses in a graveyard mm-hmm. behind a church or near a church. Yeah. And, and the church is yeah. celebrating its, Christmas, church, its yeah. Christmas Eve. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Service Christmas Eve bells, so there is a. I thought that that whole section, and I actually marked that. I didn't know if we were going to reference it, but I thought that was a very um, just sobering section. Harry's at the graves of graveside of his parents. Mm -hmm. Um, He's you know Godric's Hollow, and he's there, and they and they they come across the grave too of Dumbledore's sister. I think it's actually on her tombstone that one of those verses is. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then and then the, I I guess the prophetic way of the way that that um, the way the verse the last enemy defeated to be defeated is death. Yeah, and the way that that plays itself out yeah. actually in the end uh, was just really, really interesting. And I think, <clears throat> I think really the whole like message of the books is how do we deal with death. And that's where... Like the overarching theme. I think that's probably a heavy one, yeah. And that's where I don't really mind as dark as, like, Cedric's death is or the fact that Harry over and over has to deal with... Not only has he dealt already or continues to deal with, really, the death of his parents, but even, like, Sirius. Mm -hmm. The way that that... I mean, he... um, He has to... He has to... He's confronted with death just continually, and I don't. I don't mind. That. I think. I think to. Yes, it's dark, but it's. I think it just shows the necessity of. Death is real. Mm-hmm. We all have to. We're all going to be confronted with it one way or another. Harry. Is confronted with it at a younger age than most people are, but that's what makes the story. Like you said, that's that's what makes it such a prominent theme in the. Right. Story so. I don't mind. It's death is not glorified. No, death is actually shown. I think to be an enemy, and to be something that must be confronted 
and uh, in a sense, I guess you you know to have an answer for it. But they try to you know, different characters try to overcome it different ways. <coughs> you know, okay. um, so uh, Voldemort. He's trying to avoid it all. He's trying to avoid it, and he's trying to overcome it, and that's kind of the same thing Sauron tries to do in the Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. Get his soul into something else. Yeah. But but yeah. in Voldemort's case, he has to do. He has to kill someone. You know, someone has to die for this to happen. And yeah. so you know, yeah. it's so it's an ugly way to deal with it. Harry, on the other hand, um, he has the opportunity to bring his family back with the resurrection mm-hmm. stone, mm-hmm. or yeah. go to them, or stay with them. But there's a time and a place, and he, I think, you know, that end scene where he kind of like, okay, I have to do this. Yeah. I have to die. I have to face death. But he overcomes it. Yeah. Right? Um, I think it's an excellent book series to, you know, at least introduce and talk, you know, if I mean, if I'm going through it with kids, we're going to talk about death from a biblical perspective, but I think... I think this book series uh, can help kids come to grips with it, much like The Last Battle does, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, so it's courage born out of, you know, love, right? I mean, it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, we're on the side of, of good and of what's right, and it's worth fighting for, you know, right. like uh, Sam, Sam Lord of the Rings says. I mean, and, it, and that's the primary distinction between Harry and Voldemort mm-hmm. is... Love of others versus love of self. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to sacrifice myself for the good of others, whereas mm-hmm. Voldemort, I'm willing to sacrifice you for the good of myself. Yeah. And that's what bothered me most about the last movie was after he... I mean, do you say he died? Who, Harry? Harry? He died in his resurrection. In well, it happened really fast in the movie. Either way, I mean, the Horcrux is destroyed. Yeah, and he comes back, and that's where in the book, I mean, he's confident. He he knows he's won. Yeah, I mean, yep. it's the deception of him being, you know, yeah, everyone thinks he's dead. Hagrid thinks he's dead. Yeah, Mrs. Malfoy knows that he's not, which is all, the whole Malfoy famous <laughs> But then it's the final battle. One, it's Great Hall, and he's confident. Like he knows yeah. uh, he's got the Elder Wand, and it's I mean, he's got it. Yeah. And rather than the movie, he's like hiding behind rocks, and they're like flying around and like falling over like cliffs. And the the one time, uh, Priory and Cantatum, the the wands joining only happened once. And then moving forward, the movies <laughs> they do that in every movie. Yeah, that's what bothered me the most. Yeah, I hate that. Because in the book, it is more clear that it's a death and resurrection, right? Yeah. yeah. And just again, the confidence, the courage, because he knows that, you know, victory's on his side. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, did you want to go to next about uh, how it has the similarities and differences to other stories? And I know we've talked about some how it relates to whichever one you guys want to talk about. Some of the ideas as far as similarities to other literatures, or yeah. Other... Well, I just I I think that's a good place. I think that's a. I always think it's interesting how how uh, you can put it in a framework. When I was reading. The book that Pastor Adam, you know, gave out story mm-hmm. brand, uh, building a story brand, mm-hmm. Donald Miller, and he takes the the mapping out a story concept and applies it to advertising. Well, when you start, when you if you've 
done that to a story, then it just may then you can see that in like every story. Yeah. And so I don't that you know. You look back at the tradition of storytelling, and you see the you see the same thing over and over, even if it's with different characters or with variations. That's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. I think it helps you distinguish who's good, who's bad, what roles people fill, you know. And in Harry's case, you know, one of the things in, in the story is the orphan. Mm-hmm. Um, and you asked the question, well, when we were discussing yeah. why, why are heroes usually orphans? And I think, I could be wrong, but I think it's because whoever is their guide is filling a role that parents don't traditionally fill. In other words, like parents can fill that role and they should fill that role in the real life. But there's always knowledge that the guide has that the parents don't necessarily always have. So more of an expert, would you say uh, uh, more like they're hard on them? And or a lot of times the mentor does love them, mm-hmm. but like that's the whole thing with, with Dumbledore is mm-hmm. um, he also is about the greater mission. Right. So in a certain sense, a parent, if you're looking out for your child, it's like if you have to choose between the greater good mm-hmm. And your child. Right. The mentor is always going to, you know. Right. And so it, it creates, I think, a relationship that the parents can't necessarily share with the child in order for the, for the story to go where it needs to go. Now, you know, Spider-Man. I would say that Uncle Ben is kind of mm-hmm. not quite the guy, but mm-hmm. what he's instilled in Peter after he dies, because a mentor, the guy well, usually dies. Yeah. Yes, Obi Wan. Um, yeah, um, Merlin and King Arthur. I won't tell you who it is in Aragon. <laughs> um, Yoda. Gandalf, but he comes yeah. back. He does come back. But there's a time you know, when Frodo has to just go on. on. Yeah, well, Frodo come, doesn't come, know as until as, the yeah, very yeah, end. So as, as far as Frodo's concerned, Gandalf doesn't come back. Right, functionally dead. This, that's why in my. You know, it's almost like sometimes they're functionally orphans. Right. Because the parents are just not there. Right. Frodo, you don't have any hint of parents at all, really. I mean, from the get-go, it's just he lives with Bilbo. Yeah. So it's almost, that again, the idea of growing up and mm-hmm. having to step into a space of maturity and, I, and uh, leadership. Right. I think so. I'm, I think it's that. Um, you. That's kind of where I was going with Harry has so many experiences that just no, almost nobody his age even knows how to relate to him because right. he's it's it's almost like he's an adult yep. yeah because of all of the adult type things that he's had to face is it interesting in the is it the fifth book <clears throat> on their way to the school he then is able to see that creature that carries them. yeah and luna love was the only other one that's right maybe yep. one other kid um because her mom had died the thestrals right. yeah the thestrals yeah yeah that's exactly right so I you know I, I don't know if there's a the other thing that's that's interesting to me I guess is um, especially as it relates to biblical themes is you know Harry was I mean, Voldemort tries to mur- murder Harry as a child mm-hmm. um, it's yeah. and and Harry survives it heritage but but then but then goes through life and realizing you know eventually that he does have to give his life. 
you know, his his life eventually does have to be laid down. I mean, there's that's just that's that parallels so yeah. much of of Jesus's life, you know. And you speak again, Dumbledore. He he had that. Not, he knew that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I gotta kind of slowly, like, tell you this. Yeah. But he's, yeah. the first few years, like, he just, you know, had this narrow escape, <laughs> great victory, and it's just like it wasn't ready. You know, wasn't ready for it. Fifteen year old. My my, my hour has not yet come. Well, I'm telling you, there's so many biblical parallels. Yeah. And, again, I think... Betrayal of a friend. Betrayal of a friend. Hmm. The, you know, the Slytherin is a snake. Yeah. Mm. It's a snake. Go like, back to surprises. Were you guys surprised by Peter Pettigrew? Um, the rat? Ron's rat? The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that was... I think that was one of the more... And, and all the different... There, there's, there's two big things that I think, like, you read and you're just like... This is just so incredible. I mean, in a book filled with wizards and stuff, one would be the rat, and the other would be the way that the Dursleys treat um, Harry. Harry. Yeah. Like, out of all the things in the book, I'm like, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. But anyways. So, I mean, I, I had a question about uh, redemption. Mm-hmm. Can I throw, well, I can I throw one yeah. thing? Okay. You're talking about the snake. How's the snake defeated at the end? How's Naguni... N- the snake, whatever yeah. you uh-huh. name, how's he defeated at the end? Neville's sword, right? He's de- he's decapitated. The the, he- <laughs> the head the head of the serpent is crushed. That's great. And you got the, the one of my favorite verses. If I was to get a tattoo, it would be this verse. I can't remember, but it's it's in Isaiah. I think it's in Isaiah forty two one, but it's a verse that talks about the the serpent rising out of the sea uh, and the Le- sword Le- of the Levi- Lord, Leviathan. Yeah, yeah, piercing. Yeah, Isaiah twenty seven one. Twenty okay twenty seven yeah. I think it's like so. Yeah, I mean a sword. Yeah. It, I'd almost forgot going back to be better. <laughs> I like almost forgotten about his end of the story, which was. I mean, he had that like new. Yeah, he had the silver hand, hand and it was given to him by. So here, I mean, like that disaster where they get captured. Uh huh. Um, and uh, what's her name is there? And Draco's there, right? Mm-hmm. Draco and his mom. Several yeah. other people were in prison. Yeah, and they're like waiting for everyone to get there. Yeah, they got to get out. Um, Dobby's with, or yeah, Dobby's there. Yeah, because he ends up dying yeah. right after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's through that, like Peter, like he kind of has like a moment where he doesn't like take it out on Harry. Right, because Harry spared his life in an earlier book. Right, Harry had the chance to kill yeah. him. Yeah, or turn him in or whatever, and he let him go. And he had, and like when I read that, I was like. Mm-hmm. Something's going to happen yeah. with that. So how do you guys feel about, like, deathbed uh, redemptions? Like, where someone who has been, I mean, Peter Pettigrew, he's the one who caused the death of Harry's parents. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so many different things along the way. He, he brought about Voldemort's return, yep. book four, along with uh, Barty Krause Jr. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, fake <laughs> Mad-Eye. So, so how do you feel about that with Pettigrew? I mean, is that like? Well, and you're probably asking too about even, even on a, on a greater level with Snape, right? I mean, yeah, because I mean, for Snape, it's like, I mean, he just treats Harry so poorly, even though supposedly he still loves Lily all on the way. Here right. reminds him of James, I think, and he just hates Harry's arrogance, and yet he's on the good side. Like ultimately, he's fighting, you know, for Dumbledore. I really, I really. I mean, we can talk about Peter, I guess, but I just was... I want to say about Snape, I really had no... 
I don't think I liked anything about it until it all comes clean at the yeah. end. I really didn't the see any. Tale. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think I. I don't. I really didn't see any um, redeemable character characteristics. Mm-hmm. I just. I just. Th- and and Dumbledore trusts him. And I guess that's the one thing. Dumbledore yeah. trusts him. Dumbledore mm-hmm. trusts him. But I just. <laughs> I. I thought. I just didn't see it. I didn't see what there was to what there was to trust. After everyone's like obsessed with Snape, they love Snape. I was like, my opinion hasn't changed too much. Like I still hate Snape. I really, uh, I, I'm appreciative appreciative of what he did, but uh, he still. I mean, he doesn't erase everything. I think I, I'd fall into that category. See, I think he's one of my favorite characters in the whole like book. Like I love. Oh, he's a great. No, he's a great character. <laughs> I don't. I don't like. You like how he treats Harry. I don't like how he treats Harry, but I kind of understand it. Yeah. Because, you know, first of all, I think, I think um, Snape's redemption is kind of a source of, you know, what the German romantics called the eternal feminine. All right. It's the woman who's like, he seeks a salvation to this woman, right? That's why, that's his motivation. That's why he does everything, you know, even when. The last thing, the last request Is it he has, love, though? Or is it lust? Because I'm like, so this is someone you had a crush on when you were in school, and your, like, arch enemy ended up with her, and, I mean, like, so you well, loved her as, like, a child. And... I mean, it's just, it's, like, so twisted to me. It, it, and she's no longer alive. Yeah. So the, so the, like, have you just been holding on to... I mean, I think it... It's I, so hypocritical that you say you love this woman, and yet you treat her... You make her son's life, her orphan son's life, a living hell. Yeah. I yes. mean, that's not love. I mean, if, I mean, you say you love her, and you're doing these things for Dumbledore, that's part of it, but you also... You failed. But time. he's had... I'm just, I'm just thinking, like, if I'm sympathizing with Snape, okay, I mean, he... Because Harry's dad is a jerk. Oh, yeah. Just, you know. And Harry can be, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, like, I don't... I don't. Okay, Harry's dad is a jerk to Snape. Harry's dad is a jerk to Snape, yes. But I don't... I mean, Harry's dad was... I, I don't... I don't know. I, I guess maybe I'm more sympathetic toward James than I am towards Snape. Just because I... I mean... Okay, what James did to Snape, yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna argue against that. But I just overall, it's human. Compl- it's it's complex. It is. Yeah. It is very complex. Thing. And that's why Snape is a great character. Yes. It's just so it's so <laughs> And he's caught in the. He's caught in between. You know, like I. You know he he. He has to. He he. You know he has to be. He's good, but he has to do all these awful things. Mm-hmm. But you know he does. Yeah, it is twisted that the way that he treats Harry. And it's because it reminds him of Lily and James. But, I don't know, I just, you know, I just feel a sympathy for him. It's just, a, it's a odd thing to, uh, you know, celebrate a, like, it's like Manasseh in the Bible. It's like, okay, 55 huh. years of terrible evil. Huh. Go to Babylon and yeah. you, like, repent, come back. I and mean, that's good. Yeah. But you also just, like, you can't erase 50 years. Yeah. Well... <coughs> I mean, so it's like, who are we celebrating? Are we celebrating only people who... I mean, we celebrate the decision made at the end of life. Well, here's maybe a better better question is, was Snape really good all (coughs) along? 
you just don't see that you don't really become aware of it until until you until you get the vision you know so you're able to to look in the teardrops at the end the way that Harry is was he was was everything that Snape was doing all along calculated to the point that he has to he has to be that way to Harry when we say all along, you're saying when he turned back to good. You're saying that, right? So there was that moment where he met Dumbledore on the hill mm-hmm. because uh, he had found out that James and Lily were dead. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what do I need to do? Because mm-hmm. I'm not like part... I, and Dumbledore's like, you got to go back. And are you willing to do that? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. But since then, he's like, yeah. Okay. Right. Yes. But yeah, yes. I would agree with that. That it's like, in a certain sense... He, he had to be a, a Death Eater. Yeah. So one mm-hmm. thing I would be interested, you know, I mean, I'm probably going to go back and read these read this series again eventually. One thing I'm going to be especially interested in is to, what can you what can you notice a second time through that you wouldn't have picked up on the first time, and probably especially as it relates to mm-hmm. Snape. Because that's such, that's such the key. I mean, that, that whole, that, that chapter towards the end of the seventh book is, is the defining chapter of the whole yeah series and i i think one reason that he the way that he treats harry is a way to cast as a way for rolling to cast doubt in the reader's mind as to who snape is Mm -hmm. and because you don't you have a in the books versus the movies you have a whole (coughs) lot more of a sense that snape I can't trust this guy. Mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm reading the books, I can't trust this guy. Knowing the spoiler that I knew, I was like, "Well, he's gonna turn bad." So when he turned good, and it turns out that he was good all along. Well, that, so you didn't know that? No, I did not oh know goodness. that. So yeah. which which I love, and that's why I think this series is so well written. Oh, is even with the spoilers, yeah. like there was a lot of surprises, and there were things that I just it's like Dumbledore's got to make it through this. Yeah. Oh, but he doesn't, you know. But, oh, you know, snakes are good. But there has to be a way for... Because in the books, you get that sense. Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't know if I can trust this guy. Oh, he's the one muttering the spells at the Quidditch match. Mm-hmm. You know, Snape's bad. There's almost something in every book that yeah. Snape does that you're like, I can't trust this guy. And the way that he treats Harry is one more thing. In the movies, you don't get yeah, that. That's not true. You know? She's brilliant, like, where it's just... She sets you up several books of mm-hmm. false accusations with him and Draco. Yeah. And then the sixth one, it's like, wait, they, they are bad. bad. <laughs> and then the seventh book is a reversal <laughs> of that. Yeah. But, like, the fifth one, it's like, wait, Snape's part of the Order? Yeah. You know, he's, you know we can't – I was there in the graveyard. Snape was there. Yeah. And Dumbledore's like, I can't I can't explain everything. Yeah. Which, and, like I said, I so – so the way that Snape treats Harry might be something that's net that is necessary yeah. for the plot to go where she wants it to. Not net, like I don't know if it didn't have to end up there, would he still treat Harry the same way? Mm-hmm. I, would he still be the scum that we think he is? I don't know. Does that make sense? This thing about uh, kind of our final opinion on some of the characters, like. Uh, 
with what you kind of found out about with Dumbledore toward the end. Well, see, that did was... That, did that, uh, you know, he, again, was always this hero. Yeah. And then book seven hits, and it's kind of like, okay, he's got some major flaws. Right. Um, Which I how thought... Did that, how did that affect you? Oh, guys? I love that. Because, like, I was like, oh, man, what are they going to do? And up until you know what the Deathly Hallows are and what that symbol is, you know, it, it's almost like she's portraying it as... Rolling is portraying it as like a, a swastika of sorts. You know that that's that's what came to mind. You know because you see the symbol, mm-hmm. and I see it tattooed on people, on people's cars, on hoodies. Like, okay, I know it's there, but I haven't come across this. And everyone who's who's a Harry Potter fan has this symbol somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. What's the big deal? And then you finally run into it. Because symbols are a big deal with me. Yeah. Um, do you remember what uh, do they mean? Crumb's first reaction uh, when he... He sees Luna's dad wearing... Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's that's why I was... For him, it was a symbol of evil. Right, yeah. and that's why I I told David, I was like... Because I was ahead of him in the seventh book, and I was like, I'm just trying to figure out what in the world is going on with this this swastika-like symbol that... Classic question is, which of the three uh, Hallows would you want if you could only pick one? Oh, I'd pick the cloak. Yeah, I think so too. More than the elder wand. Oh yeah. Yep. The cloak for sure. Yeah. It's amazing how like early, so the first <laughs> Christmas, that how that is introduced into the book. Mm-hmm. And elder wands there all along as Dumbledore had it. Mm-hmm. Where was the resurrection stone again? It was in the ring, wasn't it? Well, Ultimately, it was, he got it. It was in, it was in, in the, the Quidditch. He got the snitch. Yeah. But like, where was it uh, before that? I thought. I thought. Oh, or I thought it was. I thought it was in the. I thought it was. In, I know the ring was a Horcrux, but for some reason, I thought the ring and the Resurrection Stone had some some um, some ties together because there's a ring that was found at. The at um, Voldemort's house, mm-hmm. right? The locket, not the locket. Oh, okay. There was a a ring with a black stone, and that's what Dumbledore, Dumbledore what, tried like, to destroy, and it cursed his hand. Yeah. And he was he was dying, right? That was part of the whole thing that led to his death. Was he was going to die? And that's what. So that's yeah. like, let me use my death to like solidify Snape's deception. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to look that back uh, where that came. Yeah, the stone. It is, he ended up dropping in the forest, though, if you remember that at the end. Yep. Yeah, we really talked about that, actually, when you, when you walked out of the room a little, a little earlier. Is he has the decision to bring everybody he loves back mm-hmm. through that resurrection stone, and he he see, he, he sees yeah. the wisdom in not doing that, Yeah, which is remarkable. Where was the resurrection stone? I was looking... I was, the, yep. The res, the ring was destroyed in 1996 by Dumbledore, but the stone was placed in Harry's first golden snitch. So there was the resurrection stone. So Voldemort had one of the, um, you know, he had one of the Deathly Hallows, but mm-hmm. he didn't, he didn't uh, realize it. In between books five and six, the whole was okay. One is Snape good. Mm-hmm. And then the other question was, who is R.A.B.? Because you get through uh, mm-hmm. all of that. Um, oh, no, that's actually between six and seven. Yeah. 
uh, because you get all, Dumbledore and Harry go on that trip where he has to drink the stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they get the locket, and yeah. through all that, you find out, oh, this is not even real. It's not even <laughs> like the real locket, but it has that that note yeah. from RAB. And Most people, I guessed it was uh, Regulus, yeah. Sirius's brother, because they they mentioned his name like once before that. Back in and I was like, when they're cleaning out stuff, I think Sirius had a brother named Regulus. Mm-hmm. And then when they, I was like, yes, I got something right in the books. There we go. But uh, but yeah. You want to talk about biblical imagery? I was, I was, I'm a little late on this, but we're talking about Snape's, uh, you know, the prince's tale, and he finally hears from uh, Dumbledore about what needs to happen to Harry, and so he said, uh, uh, Snape says to Dumbledore, "I've spied for you and lied for you, put myself in mortal danger for you. Everything was supposed to be to keep Lily Potter's son safe. Now you tell me you've been raising him like a pig for slaughter." <laughs> if you just put sheep in there for pig, yeah, yeah. I just I forgot about um, <clears throat> Snape is the one who got him the sword. Yeah. Well, actually, Ron. Yeah. It was, but it was at the bottom of that frozen like pool. Yeah. yeah. Because you have to have the courage. To and it's right sword. after that. It's right. It's right yeah. after what I just read that he yeah. shows his uh, Patronus to Dumbledore. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Did you want? Did you want to talk more about about Dumbledore and that relationship with Harry, especially at the end of the Order of the Phoenix? It's just really pretty. And that's a weight, you know. Harry Harry has to has to carry because at the mm-hmm. end of every, at the end of books one and two, at least maybe even maybe three three or I don't remember if it happens in all of them, but there's kind of this scene at the end where Harry and Dumbledore are yeah. together, a little debriefing, yeah. And Dumbledore's always setting things straight, and Harry's got these questions, and they seem like they're on the same page. But then at the end of book five, it's almost to the point, Dumbledore, he feels led along by Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. You're not telling me everything. Right. Yeah. And, he, and he blows up at him, and he gets angry, and he's destroying stuff in his office, and Dumbledore is just like, I can't tell you anymore. Which is typical for It wasn't most. just Dumbledore. Like, and no one was telling yeah. because they were all worried about that connection he had with Voldemort with the dreams yeah. and just yeah. like the access to his mind. Yeah. So you end up having that special sessions with uh, Snape. Yeah. Occlumency or whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> and so that that was one of that probably one of my favorite scenes from the from the whole series too is when um they're actually at the hospital with uh Mr. Weasley. You know, he he'd been attacked by the snake yeah. and Harry was seeing this, you know, he was it was as though he was the snake in the attack. And and Harry's looking for answers, and he he comes across this, um, you know, the portrait of Phineas Negulus, mm-hmm. and he uh, he's complaining why Dumbledore hasn't told him <coughs> everything, and Phineas's answer. Uh, I'll just read part of it. He he asks him, "Have you never paused while feeling hard done by to note that Dumbledore's orders have never yet led you into harm?" Mm-hmm. You know, he, he yeah. he's like. Okay, yes, Dumbledore's not telling you everything, but since when has anything he's told you ever mm-hmm. failed you, ever led, ever led you astray? And, and, and that's before you realize, towards the end, some of Dumbledore's greater faults, but it's almost like sometimes there's wisdom in, even if you don't have all the answers, you're trusting in someone yeah. who has a greater knowledge, a greater awareness, a greater wisdom, 
Yeah, he's very loyal to Dumbledore. I mean, I remember the one guy said, uh, the one uh, prime minister was like, you're, you're Dumbledore's man through and through. He's like, yep, you can't use, like, the minister was trying to use yeah. him, and he wasn't going to have it. Yeah. Well, and, you know, usually the, the, the hero and the guide, the guy doesn't tell them everything, and they get mad at the guy. That's just like a part of the story, you know, Luke Skywalker. He's not told the full truth about his dad, and then he gets all mad at Obi-Wan's ghost, you know. Um, even even uh, Iron Man and Doctor Strange, you know. Yeah. Who, we're, what, are we going to win this one? You didn't, you know, you haven't told me, you know. Yeah. Uh, just interesting when those mystical guide characters, they know so much more, but they can't share all of it. Yeah. Other things that, like, you guys just really enjoyed, other favorite, like, I think, like, one her, like, the way, how she names things, I mean, she, she you know, has a good grasp of Latin, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, of just, like, names of characters, names of places, spells, I mean, it's just, it's brilliant. There, there's some things that, that I thought were really cleverly named, there were other things that I was like, this is just a really silly word, like, mm-hmm. muggles, like, I think that's a very silly word, and I don't. Oh, that's that's a word that I just stay away from. But yeah. I think it comes, and I might be wrong, but I think it comes from a religious sect around Bunyan's time called the Muggletonians. Well, if she like, got it from that, that's brilliant. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you're borrowing your different sources. Right. Yeah. But just on its own, I was like, this is a silly word. I thought, I thought there was... I can't name any other... What do you guys think your Patronus would be? Oh, an eagle. Mine would be a red fox. I would never thought about it. What do you think your uh, boggart would be? That's a little bit too honest. <laughs> the thing that I would be scared of the most. To like see the evil version of yourself. <laughs> like <laughs> like if, if I was not like actually a Christian and were like... You're like betraying your like Christian faith, like, so you're basically doing something bad. <laughs> a, uh, a, I don't know. If this is un- this is unusual, but we're just being honest. Like the the craziest thing that I'm actually like legitimately scared of is frogs. Like I hate frogs. Interesting. I think they're disgusting. And they what if that was your Patronus? <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know. Probably a certificate that said I failed college and had to do student teaching. <laughs> no. Oh, uh, student loans. There you go. Uncle Sam with a, mm-hmm. a uh, open bag. I'm not going to lie. My favorite character is still Dumbledore, even after what was revealed. I mean, the fact that he only wants, like, socks for Christmas. <laughs> he's just so... He, he's got... He's so good at, at you know, with with magic. The fight at the end of Order of the Phoenix with Voldemort is my favorite. Oh, fight. it's, it's, it's just so good. Yeah. yeah. I do... Uh, I think I think Dumbledore teaches like simplicity, mm-hmm. right? Like he's ne- he he teaches the you know he wants socks. What's in the what's in the mirror? A whole socks, you know. What is all the passwords to get it? It's always candy, you know. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, <laughs> like those kind of things are brilliant. <laughs> I really I, I I might go with Ron. I really like Ron. I think he's. It's hard to be the right hand man mm-hmm. and not be like the man, and I know we talked about some how there's yeah. some complexity with that, because there is there there are these occasions where he's 
unlikable. Like, well, that, but also where he's yeah. growing in popularity, and then Harry yeah. doesn't know how to deal with that, right. and he, you know, Ron's got the girlfriend, he's got the, the Quidditch fame for a little while, mm. and so forth. But I don't know. Ron is like to the end. I think he's 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 very loyal. He's I think he's hilarious. Yeah, it's <laughs> interesting um, choice. Many people dislike Ron because I think he's portrayed as. Well, he, initially, he's oftentimes the one who's jealous because he's the younger sibling. You know, it's his older brothers have had all this, you know, success. Um, Maybe that's what I... And, and, and he's the one a lot of times who's causing conflict where, uh, I mean, especially in book six where him and Hermione just blow up. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, he's loyal. Right. I mean, yeah. Uh, and be, and because he's, he's, he's never... I, I said this before. I mean, even the the younger sibling complex, I guess if you call it that. Like he's mm. he's never the center of attention. He's never the spotlight. Um, you know, he's a role player mm. uh, if you want to put it that way throughout the throughout the story. But he's yeah, I appreciate his loyalty. Um, but he's but he sticks to his values, even if his values sometimes are skewed. <laughs> you know, he's he's gonna stick to them, and yeah, I just. And I th- and I think I think I, he's just got some of the best one-liners too. As <laughs> yeah. far as as far as like the one that sticks out to me is how he's they're they're needing to get from one place to another, and all he's concerned about is like can we, just, <laughs> can we stop for a bacon sandwich along the way? It's like yeah. I I love Sirius. I love Sirius Black. I love uh, Lupin. Mm-hmm. Tragic. Yeah. Uh, I lo- I love those two characters. But I really like Snape too. Like I just, I think he's a great character, and uh, but I mean the books are full, filled with great characters. One other character that that is interesting to talk about is Moody because you read through the Goblet of Fire, <laughs> and you think Moody is is this one guy, and he's really not him at all. Yeah. So you spend the next two and a half books figuring out. Who he really is. Who is Moody? Because you have to relearn him all along because he's mm-hmm. not who you thought he was initially because he's because of the deception that's there. So, and then, then of course, he en- ends up, uh, you know, fighting to the death as well. Yeah. So, what house are you in? Every test says Gryffindor for me. I've never taken a test. You got to take her test. She's actually made one. Really. See, that's the that's the thing is you have to sign up with a username and all that. And that's what I said. Oh, uh, you guys got to do it, Pottermore. Uh, you never done it? I have not done Are it. Are you afraid? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not afraid. I you, just we're doing it. <laughs> it takes five minutes. <laughs> so when we do personalities with the doctrines class, you know, we have some fun with some of the silly things online, and we do that one. <laughs> she designed it though. That's funny. It's I'll have well, to. I'll have to look into that. I've been placed in Gryffindor before, but mm-hmm. I would I would give preference to Ravenclaw. You can see it. So you think the hat would honor that preference? Oh yeah. Well, there's one test I I did take where you could. It wasn't the Pottermore test, but it one of them, one of the questions was, which house do you prefer? And it would give you like a I don't know fifteen point measure that. But even without that, I ended up in Ravenclaw on that one. But the ones that ask you about, like, what color do you like? Choose a snack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Would you rather pick your nose or pick your ear? Like, I don't That's not real. No. <laughs> so. Uh, favorite, favorite of all seven books? Where would you like, man, that is just... 
I like that the best. See, Brandy, when she read them, she said the Order of the Phoenix was Ooh. her favorite. This is the longest, it's, it's really a long book. I didn't – I don't know that it was um, – I don't know. I, again, it, yeah, it's so many different characters. And that's where the, the movie that's only two and a half hours cut out so much of that. It'd be hard to – I don't know, man. It'd be hard to pick a – like I wouldn't I don't know that I would just read one on its own yeah so that's where that's where it becomes really really tricky I I mean probably the um, Goblet of Fire I thought as as I was reading it yeah it was very creative (coughs) the way it even starts off they're going to the Quidditch World Cup it's almost like they're living real life and then they get thrust back into in into things in a more in a deeper way than they ever Mm -hmm. have before so I I that one maybe. I usually go back and forth between those two. It's all encompassing. I think Goblet of Fire is it just it runs the whole gamut of emotions. I mean, all of them are emotional mm-hmm. in different ways, especially the further you get into them. But I mean, the scene at the at the graveyard, unbelievable, and then in yeah. book five with the at the Department of Mysteries. I mean, like that is just so cool. Yeah, and then just you know, realize the stakes, and it's just like, oh, boom, they're serious dead from by the hand of his cousin. And next door, here, here's Dumbledore who shows up, and Bulmer shows up, and it's just like, <laughs> it's crazy. I, I do think that the end of book four and end of the Order of the Phoenix is where the story really just, like, takes off. I think that's why Brandy really, yeah. like, book five was the one where I remember her saying, like, There's if, a bunch I, of if, I, if I didn't have to do anything else, yeah. I'd just read it straight through. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite is The Prisoner of Azkaban. That one just is the one that sticks out yeah. to me. Like I think, great twist. I, I think, I think that's one that you can like. The first three, especially, could probably read on their own. Mm. But once you get to book four, you've got to read the next ones. And I mean, even I mean, even at the end of the other ones, yes. But there's also a sense in where it's like, okay, Voldemort's still out there, yes, but he's out there. Yeah. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban is just you know. Is great, but it's got that tragic anywhere. You're like, oh, he gets to be with. No, he doesn't. Dang it! And then if you, th- what's what's great about the old covers is, the whole ending of the book is on the cover. Like, mm. you know, there's Harry, there's Jenny, there's, you know, oh, um, yeah. Buckbeat, there's the Sirius. Uh, it's fun. I think it's it's funny, but yeah, but I did I did, like. The one that I felt like I just could not put down was the Deathly Hallows because I had to figure out, like I wanted to see how it was all gonna end. But you know what I did love about the Deathly Hallows? How they had to go back to children's stories to learn about, mm-hmm. you know, the the, the truths of of the you know Deathly Hallows and all that. Have I you read that, that whole brilliant. the other ones that are like part of that like side book? I have not no. She, she we, had it for charity. Yeah, we we have them. I need to read. Those them. are good. I would stay away from Cursed Child. <laughs> so that's the play, right? Started London House in your city, and eventually probably spread around. Feels like fan fiction. Oh. Not even. Well, like she it, like sponsors even, it. That's what I was gonna say. She didn't really even write it, did she? But I mean, she is she authorized. She always like she authorized it canon? to be done. Is it canon? Yeah. But basically, it's it's a part. It's the. <laughs> The weakness of what you could see with time travel, with the, um, uh-huh. what are those? The time turners? Is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah. yeah. 
where mm-hmm. you can see that get out of control, that's what those stories is. It's mm-hmm. like alternate history. I mean, it's just like some of the problems with Avengers, where some people have criticisms with that. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to speak to that for just a second, because that's what I do really appreciate about the seven books. It is such a well-written, tightly knit story. Um, I'm so used to reading comic books that I don't come across this literature very often, right? So in comic books, you're dragging out a story that's going to go on indefinitely. And so invariably, you've got to retcon some stuff. You've got to go back and correct it and say, oh, this character is really... And you don't get that sense in Harry Potter like, Snape... But that last, that last part of his story, it wasn't she said, oh, I'm going to make him a good guy. No, he was a good guy all Supposedly she told time. Alan Rickman, the actor, before he did the movie, so what was going to happen. Hmm. She did or didn't? She did. Okay. So he had that in the back of his mind, private comment. Even though you don't, you just don't see that so much in the movie. That's, that, like the movies, I thought were <laughs> fine watching, you know, good entertainment, but they just don't, there's, it's not... Depth. I really don't know. Don't get the complexity of the characters very much. I don't know if I would have been able to follow the plot line as well. Yeah, no. Yeah, Yeah, without the books. Especially, I think the first three you can get because they're short Mm -hmm. enough. But after that, it's just too many. Yeah. Who is that? I don't know who that is. Yeah, and, you know, they leave out stuff with Pettigrew, I think. And all the different side characters. I mean, they leave it like. that's That was a confusion that even with the Resurrection Stone, when I was watching it, I was watching it with the Beasleys, and I was like, they haven't explored any of this. And you get that whole, like, like you see almost a complete history of who Tom Riddle was. Yeah. And you don't get that in the movies. You see a few things here and there, but in the books, it's like, man. And so when, when we watched the movies, I was like, wait a second, what about this? What about that? And the Resurrection Stone just kind of shows up, and you don't know where it came from. and It's a mess. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. Oh, yes. Lots more we could do. For sure. But, uh... I think we're way <coughs> over an hour. I think we are. Gavin, thanks for spending the yep, afternoon thanks with Thanks for having us. me. This is a fun. good time. So what's our next, uh, venture? <coughs> I've read a few other things. We gotta do the, we gotta do the, um, Space Trilogy. Yes, we have to do the Space Trilogy. Is that one trilogy. coming next? Yeah, let's do that next. All right, Paralandra. <laughs> You're welcome to join us for that one, too. Uh, not to get get on my reading list here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, guys, thanks for your time. All right. Thank you.